to us. And as we, we just, for a moment this morning, sit around your word, just receive, our hearts would be incredibly open and responsive to what you're saying. Amen? Amen. Man, you may take your seats. Thank you, team. Appreciate you guys. I want to turn your attention. All the children will gather their um, packs this morning, just all the little things that we have because the children are in church with us. We don't want to miss them out. So there's Michelle has wonderfully prepared some packs that children... Have they grabbed them all already, have they? Just about. Okay, there you go. They're on to it. That'll happen just for a couple more weeks and then we'll be into Children's Church, I believe, and hope for that. Um, Luke chapter 17, we've been speaking out of Luke chapter 17 and I want to turn your attention to verses 5 to 10. If you've been here in the last couple of weeks, um, you'd be, be aware of what I've been sharing, but Jesus, this instance, is on his way to Jerusalem and who knows when Jesus heading Jerusalem means one thing, his death on a cross. Uh, and so he's preparing his disciples to take his place because he knows there's going to come a day when he's not going to be around and they're going to have to do the work of the ministry. And so he's talking through a lot of Christian, valuable, essential Christian lessons with his disciples. It was an incredibly critical period in the lives of the disciples this time. And Luke chapter 17 really highlights some very important subjects for us just as Christians and how to do life well and to do it abundantly. In, in the last couple of weeks, we've talked about um, just gratitude and thankfulness a couple of weeks ago. And last week, um, I think the last week, we talked about just how to offenses and dealing with forgiveness because it all comes out of this, these words that Jesus spoke to the disciples and Luke wrote down. And now we're going to turn our attention to verses 5 to 10. So can we read this, please? Um, it said... And the, the apostles said to the Lord, or the disciples said to the Lord, increase our faith. That's a great thought, isn't it? Increase our faith. The truth is I could always do with more faith. I don't know about you in 2019, but verse 6 says, So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and planted in the seed, it will obey you. And which of you having a servant? Then Jesus switches to kind of his direction, what he's saying. He says, which of you having a servant? Plowing or tending sheep will save to him when he's come in from the field. Come at once and sit down to eat. But will not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I've eaten and drunk and afterwards you will eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, when you have done all the things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Okay. So interesting flow of words here in Jesus is verses 5 to 10 because one minute he's speaking about faith at verse 6, um, like speaking to trees to be pulled up by the roots and planted in the sea. And the next moment, he's, um, he, he, Jesus is finding himself, he's speaking of a servant being faithful to, to do what is expected of him. Um, Jesus flows from one topic to another seamlessly, it seems, without drawing breath. And, and from the, if you've ever read this and wondered, I don't know, uh, maybe you've asked a question like me, how do, what's Jesus really trying to say here? He's flowing from one thing to the next, um, he's, talking, he's talking about faith and then he switches to faithfulness, about being a faithful servant, to do what is your duty and it seems ambiguous, it doesn't seem connected but in true Jesus style there's an incredible connection. Um, the truth is Jesus is seeking to help them understand that faith and faithfulness are very much connected in actual fact, we can struggle to fulfill God's purpose without having both in our lives. 
faith and faithfulness. And actually one that in, in some instances they're the same thing, in other instances they're not. But you see, it's the truth is it's through faithfulness that God does that sorry, that through faithfulness that we do the possible. Isn't that true? We could do the possible. Like um, like the servant did in this case, preparing the food for his master. That's possible. We could but then faith can do the impossible, like speaking to a tree to be uprooted and planted somewhere else. That, that seems impossible for me. Well, quite literally it is, but it's not for God. And he wants to put faith in our hearts to see faith rise within our lives and to do um, the impossible. Not us do it, but God do it through us. So we see faithfulness is when we do the possible. Um, faith is when we see God do the, the impossible. Um, because faithfulness, I want us to understand that faithfulness is like a foundation for faith to grow in our hearts. Faithfulness to his cause, faithfulness to him, faithfulness to life, faithfulness in many areas of your life produces a strong foundation for faith to be birthed so that we could see those things that seem just impossible to happen. Whatever it may be this morning, or that situation changed around in 2000, then breakthrough come. You know, we've talked about faith that to have a breakthrough, uh, or singing about it. Well, the truth is, faithfulness undergirds our breakthrough. Um, there was an example of this, is a guy in the Bible, a centurion, he's a Roman officer. In, in actually 10 chapters just before Luke 17, in Luke chapter 7, there's a story of this Roman officer. He's called a centurion because he's in charge of hundreds, groups of hundreds of soldiers, you know, at a time. And uh, it's interesting because he has a very sick servant. In actual fact, he's on his deathbed. And Jesus, um, sorry, not Jesus, the, the Jewish elders actually come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, there's this Roman centurion, he's an officer, he's a commanding officer of hundreds of soldiers, he's got a very sick servant, we want you to come and heal him. Now the fact that the Jews would go and speak on behalf of a Roman is a rare event. Uh, because Rome, you know, the Romans invaded the Jewish land and the Jews generally wanted the Romans out. <laughs> They didn't always see eye to eye. They lived, they lived together in communities, but they always didn't see eye to eye. And so for the Jewish elders to speak on behalf of a Roman officer was something that was quite amazing. And it's, and it's the reason they did. They said, Jesus, when you come, we want you to come and heal his servant. But we want you to know something about this man. He actually loves our nation. That's what scripture says in Luke 7. He loves the Jewish nation. And you know what? He loves the Jewish nation so much. In actual fact, he's, he actually, through his own money and effort and time and commitment, has built us a synagogue. In other words, a, a, a temple, a place of worship. He's actually got this temple for us. He loves us so much. And for a Jew to have a place of worship was an incredibly big deal. And so this Roman officer has made sure that happens. And they said, can you see, Jesus, what this man's like? Because so would you come in response to that? Would you just heal his servant? And Jesus goes. The servant's healed. He speaks to the centurion. And after his conversation with the centurion, he says to the disciples, see this Roman officer? He has great faith. Because he had that conversation about where the Roman officer said, you know, I just tell the soldier to go and he goes. In other words, you know, uh, to do this and he does it. He says, you just speak the word, Jesus, and this 
this servant will be healed. And Jesus said in response, you've got great faith. I want you to see that the faithfulness of the Roman centurion just to the, the cause of the things of God opened the door with faith to be established. See, faithfulness and faith go together. And what Jesus talks about it here in Scripture, it's very encouraging to see. You know, do we sometimes expect God to turn up when we're in need and pull us through the issue, but never expect that God would have an expectation on us just to be faithful? I'll say it again. Do we expect God just to pull it, turn up when we want him? And yet never think that God would have an expectation that we would just be faithful? Be faithful? Just to do those little things, to do the things that are important, see the mundane things. Let's look at this, the verse. Let's look at the text that we read. The servant, let's look at the servant for a moment. He had, to, he had to plow the field and then possibly on the same day um, uh, tend the flock. And then when he had finished that, he came into the home and he also, we see, that he prepared the food. That's what faithfulness looks like. And as I just contemplated that simple thought, he plowed the field, he tended the flock, he prepared the food. That's what faithfulness looks like, folks, sometimes. It looks like plowing a field. Do you know what plowing a field is all about? A farmer always plows with the hope of having a future harvest. Are you in, the, are you in a season right now where you just feel like, I'm just plowing, I'm just plowing, I'm just plowing, I'm just being faithful, I'm just, I'm just doing the little things well. Hey, you know what? There's a harvest on the way. But it comes through faithfulness. Because faith will grow out of that too. Do you, do you feel like today, what, tending, the, tending the flock? That's what faithfulness looks like this morning. Tending the flock. In other words, it's the people, it's the sheep. We're the sheep of the pasture, Jesus said about us. We're his sheep. In other words, it's just it's helping. Sometimes it's serving others. It's just helping them. It's, it's doing whatever you can just to help others, serve others, love others, support others. Isn't, isn't the body of Christ about that, serving one another and serving our community? It's just being faithful sometimes. But that person doesn't seem to ever give me any gratitude for what I do. Well, just keep faithful to it. Just keep on and watch God break through. So it's just, that's what faithfulness looks like tending the flock caring for the flock caring for people continue faithfulness just loving people and then we've got preparing the food this is what faithfulness looks like this is a biggie because what did Jesus say in revelations he says behold I stand at the door and knock and if you open the door to me I'll come in and feast with you so you're preparing a meal you know what preparing this really means it's mean when we prepare a meal for our master, we're preparing an opportunity for us to converse, communicate, commune with him, to worship him, to fall in love with just to connect with him. I want to tell you one of the most faithful things you can ever do is continue your living and vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. So whatever it is, prayer or worship or, or reading, understanding his word, it's just faithful. Yeah, but I prayed last year and it didn't seem, nothing seemed to happen. We'll pray again. Why don't you believe again? faithfulness, prepare, just preparing, prepare that meal where he will feel welcome to come into your life and commune with you and sup with you. And something dramatically happens when we invite the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords into our life continually. Not just today. Oh, I, I read the Bible last year or I read the Bible last week. No, why don't you read it again? Why don't you see what he says? Just faithful to the relationship.
It would be, I said to Michelle, well, I love you this week, but next week, oh, I don't feel like it. You know, Jesus just wants you to love him every day, just every day, just commune with him every day. Because it keeps your life vibrant. It keeps you whole. See, so we see that the servant had the field, the flock, and the food. You know, and he says, that's what, that's what, you know, out of those things, you know, faith could spring sometimes. But it's just being faithful. Um, and so Jesus talks about this servant. He, he was a pretty um, busy servant, would you agree? Because he was a bit of, he, he kind of had his, he could, he could obviously put his hand to many things. I mean, plow a field, tend to the flock. He was a shepherd. He was a farmer. And he was also a chef. He could prepare the food. He, and sometimes we're called upon in many different avenues. And he's, he's a bit of jack of all trades. Just, and this, but despite the demand, he stuck to the task to serve his master. Did you notice that? Can you see he's been out in the farm all day in the hot sun? He's plowing a field or he's been tending to those pesky little sheep. They want to run everywhere and he's trying to keep them together or he's trying to protect them against the wolves and the bears that come and eat the sheep. He's had a busy day. He's sunburned. He's tired. He doesn't come into the house and flop himself at the dining room table and say, who's making my dinner? He doesn't do that. He comes into the house, tired, sunburned, but he realizes He's still got another task because he's going to be a faithful servant. So he makes the meal for his master. His master eats and then he sits at the same table later on and eats of the food of his master. But he finally, he finally gets there. It's just that he realizes he, he's just got to be faithful to serve. Even though the demand upon him sometimes is great. See, the story is emphasizing how the servant was faithful to serve no matter what the demand might be. How, are we fair with a Christian sometimes? I'll be faithful up to a certain extent, but if it gets too demanding of this Christian thing, I'm out of here. I tell you what, you haven't got a relationship with Christ, and you need one, because when we do, we see differently, and I want to explain how we see differently. The demand was, the demand in this situation was great. The servant worked hard all day, and he realized, and he had no problem Tending the flock, plowing the field, and then coming and feeding, preparing the food. And that's what faithfulness looked like What for him. Serving can often, sometimes there can be a demand, but God looks for our faithfulness. It wouldn't be called faithfulness if it wasn't some demand upon us. In other words, it'll be called easy. <laughs> See, love would never be love if you never found anybody who was hard to love. Otherwise, it's easy. Commitment is never commitment unless it's tested to be commitment. Abraham had a sacrifice. His love for God was tested. You know what I'm, I think you know what I'm saying. So Jesus says to the disciples in verse 10, here is the cruncher. Here's the verse that you, you look at this verse and you go, what in the world is Jesus talking about? So he says in verse 10, likewise, when you have done all the things which you are commanded, saying, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Interesting wording that Luke has used, the King James, New King James uses. The word translated unprofitable is not something saying about yourself that I'm just a low life or I'm putting myself. It's not that 
See, this is what Jesus says to the disciples. He doesn't, he's now speaking to the disciples. But when he says unprofitable, it's not like putting yourself down. I'm just a nobody. No, 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 no. It's not that at all. The word means without need. So what Jesus is saying, when, we, when we've done what we were supposed to do, when we've been faithful to the cause, and we've gone maybe beyond the cause of duty, um, realize um, something about it. Just say, don't say, well, I've had enough of that. No, oh, I'm out of here. That's too much. No, 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 no. He says, just realize, don't you realize the, com- the community or the household you're in? You're in your master's household. You've got no need. There's no needs. In other words, the servant had no needs. In other words, here's another way of putting it. Nobody owes me anything. My master doesn't owe me anything. Nobody owes me anything. I, my needs are fulfilled. Nobody owes me anything. That's literally what the translation is if we wanted to put it another way. No one owes me anything. So what is being said here? So it's saying after you've helped or you've served or you've loved the flock or you've you know, prepared the food or you've plowed the field with no sign of any fruit yet, you've done something for God or you've done something, don't have an expectation or an attitude that God or others owe me. Have you ever seen anybody who kind of goes through life saying, they owe me big time? And, and it's not just an off-the-cuff bit of a, a funny thing to say. No, no, no. In their hearts, they really feel like, you know, um, God owes me. Because I came to church last month, and God, how come I'm sick this month? Because I would expect more from you, God, because I turned up last month. You know what I'm saying? Well, God, you know, I helped that lady last week, and yet, yet I've got this issue and this problem this week. God, I expect more from you. Come on. Now, we never say it, but maybe in our hearts we've got that thought, well, if I do this for God, he'll do this for me. He'll owe me. God doesn't owe you anything. God, God has given you everything. And so, so what Jesus is saying here, you know, he's saying, come on, you, no, live life with the attitude of no one owes me. You, have you ever, um, if, if we have that attitude that the world owes me, it's a miserable way to live life. Especially in God's kingdom. You know, ever heard of people say, well, they owe me an apology. Or someone says, they owe me money. Or you've heard someone say, well, they owe me for helping them. You know what? You could be right. Maybe you are owed an apology. Maybe you have money that's never been given back to you. Maybe you you deserve someone to help you. You've helped so many. But I want to tell you this, um, uh, that if you always live with the demand in your heart of God and others, you'll be, you know, they owe me, you'll be disappointed, which can turn into anger and bitterness. And this is what Jesus is talking about here in this, this, this passage. Always get, you know, I think every one of us have probably got things that people owe us apologies, but don't go through life waiting for the apology and looking for it because it'll consume you. Don't go through life always looking for someone to pay back what you gave to them. You know, Jesus says, you know, when you give, don't look to what you can get back. 
The attitude will determine your life in that you're always looking to do something so you can get back and always looking to give so you can get more. There was a young man that many, 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 many years ago, he was only seven years of age and his mother died. That's a tragedy. And the reason I know this is because he walked through those doors many, many decades ago and committed his life to Christ. And I, for 18 months, was, had a privilege of discipling him. But there was something he struggled with. And it was this, that his mother died at seven. And his dad, to, to be honest, his dad was a lovely man and sought to love his son and help him. But the hurt and pain in his life, he could never surrender it. Even as a Christian, as a grown man in his 20s, he always struggled because his dad remarried understandably it's nothing wrong with that and he remarried a woman who tried to take the place of his mother and he always he always was resistant to that woman and he, and he was always seeking an apology probably from God why did you let my mother pass away now that's a reality that's a tragedy I wish it didn't happen and there may be an apology from his father why did you marry that woman she was never going to take the place of my mother and so consequently while I had he had some things going well for him but he always struggled with this seeking apology from what happened in his life. Folks, you can't live life as a victim, can you? And as a servant, we're going to be faithful. If we're faithful to him, God just wants to lift those things out of our heart and say, don't live life owing, do this, and don't lift life thinking, well, if I got so much demands on me to serve God, well, I'm going to demand back and get people in God to make sure they serve me. No, no, no. Do it, you know, with a heart to give. Somebody said that there's a thing that, you know, like if you give and you're always expecting back, that's not the way to give. If you give and always have to put demands on what you give, oh, you should do this and this and this, what I give, and on my time, if, if I, it, you know, that's not the way to give. It's the wrong way, isn't it? But it's to give and don't expect just to leave it alone, surrender it, release it, throw it away. It's not yours anymore, what you've given. It's a, if your time, if it's your smile, you know, you go through the big W and you smile at people and expect everybody to smile back. And if they don't, don't get offended. Just give it away. Serve someone else. It's a great attitude, isn't it? See, Jesus is addressing his disciples here. Oh. There was a, I'm just looking at the time because I'm just thinking, maybe um, so much to share. You, you know, in Mark chapter 10, James and John, two disciples, Two disciples, close disciples of Jesus. In Mark chapter 10, Mark records this event. James and John came up to Jesus and said this. Hey, um, Jesus, this is the words they said to Jesus. We want you to do for us whatever we ask. Wow, that's a bold statement. Jesus, we want you to do whatever we ask. And he says, what are you asking? He says, we want to sit on the left and the right of your throne when we get to heaven. We, we, we want to sit in the prominent place. And Jesus says, that's not for me to, to give an answer to you. I, I can't make that decision. So, no, I can't promise that. And then James and John go away and the other disciples, because there was 12 of them, they have this, there's a bit of a dispute breaks out. The scripture says they got angry with each other. They got upset with each other. And James and John are defending themselves and attacking. And, so, and then Jesus ends up saying this after he saw what was happening. He says, whoever desires to become great among you shall have to be your servant. And I have come, actually, I've come not to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many you see, James and John, was what they were saying? If we're going to serve you, Jesus, 
<laughs> we want a, a lifetime guarantee of recognition, position, and a title when we get to heaven. And Jesus says, I can't promise that to you. Not that you mightn't have it, but I'm not going to promise that to you. There's some things that God doesn't want to promise us because he wants us to trust him. And, and, and in other words, um, they were saying to Jesus, we want recognition, title, and position. You owe us because we've serving you for three years. We've given up the fishing life. We were a good fisherman. We were making a profit. I know that they didn't actually say that, but you know, we were doing well and we've given it up to serve you. And so we're looking for title, position, and prominence and recognition. You know, sometimes as Christians, we want, well, God, if I do this, <laughs> I got some, I've got my list of things I'd like. If I serve you, if I become a Christian, would you do? You know, God doesn't, you know what God promises you? He promises you that he'll love you, he'll care for you, and he'll support you, and he'll see you through. But you know, as far as what this world offers, he doesn't promise that. You know, so we've got to realize our God is a God. Life is not about looking, always looking at what people owe you, but really what we owe them. Life is not, not, life is not looking to what God owes us. It's what we owe God. God, we owe God everything, folks. I have breath and life today because of God. And James and John were so consumed. And Jesus said, come on, you're going to be, if you truly want to be prominent, you're going to be a servant to all. That's how you, you, know, you gave prominence if, you, if that's the case. But you may say, Pastor, I didn't, I didn't get the position I wanted in your life for the church. I want to say, it's not, it's not the issue. Sometimes the issue is what we think is owed to us. And, and if we surrender it, you never know what might be just around the corner. It's surrender and faithfulness. See, life is our faithful service to his purpose, his response. His response to us, our faithfully serving him, is to bless us. But not because of necessarily what we do, but because you just position yourself to be blessed by being faithful. And you're not looking around every corner for every result and everything that's coming, but you're just faithful. Isn't it amazing how the faithful people just seem to be blessed? They're not looking for everybody owes me. They're just thinking, what can I owe other people? What can I do for others? See, it's faithfulness. Did you notice the servant was blessed with the food from the master's table after he served the master? And God doesn't owe us anything, but he chooses to bless us because we walk with him in relationship, not because of just what we do and expect you know, you can expect some things from God. You can expect salvation. You can ex expect mercy. You can expect compassion. You can expect grace when we come to him. Isn't that wonderful? Sometimes we want other things. Oh, they're all things internal. I want some other things in life. I, I, I want the position, the title, or I want to be acknowledged. I want to be recognized. No, 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 no. Humble ourselves before the Lord, and they're the ones he lifts up. See, servanthood and faithfulness. It's, it's having the attitude that I'll serve and not have to be served. That's being faithful. Um, there was a, uh, a verse in Habakkuk. Habakkuk. It's a, it's a prophet in the Old Testament. It's not a big book. It's, I think, three chapters. Maybe it's a few more. Forgive me. Um, but it says in Habakkuk verse two, uh, chapter 2, verse 4, The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Interesting verse. The reason that we're sitting here this morning is because there was a man called Martin Luther who worked it out in the, in the 1500s that no longer do we need to just 
come to the Pope or just work for, you know, work for our salvation and come and, be, you know, um, come and confess our sins to the Pope. We actually need to come to God and confess our sins to Him and believe that it's through faith in Jesus Christ that we receive salvation and not by a whole bunch of works. Did you know up to that moment, that's what the Christians believed? It was through what I did that I gained brownie points with God and I got my way into heaven. That's what they believed. Martin Luther said, I've had enough of that because the Word of God says the just shall live by what? Faith. And he says, no more. Now, works are great. We're not saved by good works. We're saved to do good works. But Martin Luther, thankfully, he, he, that's what caused the Reformation. You ever heard of that terminology? The Reformation, that was a reforming of the thinking of the Christians so that they came and had revival in their hearts because they now by faith could believe in Jesus and not go to a priest or a pope to receive the forgiveness of sins. They could go directly and receive grace and mercy from Jesus. Now, what's this got to do with faithfulness? It's got a whole lot. See, the verse is responsible for where we are today. So um, the truth is, today, we've come to understand that we don't owe... They used to think in those days, for what I do now, for what, how I do it in my works, God, you owe me. You owe me salvation. No, it's simply through faith and belief in Jesus. That's how it's connected. See, um, and the word faith is interesting because the word faith actually has, I don't know if Martin Luther knew this, but the word faith actually has this. It means this. It means to be, um, have fidelity. In other words, fidelity is an interesting word, which means loyalty and devotion. So this word faith crosses over into the whole principle of faithfulness. The just shall live by faith or in the NIV, it says the just, the righteous person will live by faithfulness. Because the word faith is not just believing in Christ, but it's also living out in fidelity. An example would be if, if, if um, when a husband and wife are committed to each other and they don't get involved with another man or woman, besides the word adultery, <laughs> there's another word, fidelity. And it would say that you know, if they've been unfaithful, it, of course, people could say, well, they've got um, infidelity. In other words, they've been not faithful to their marriage partner. And, of course, unfaithful to their marriage partner. We've all heard of that word, unfaithful, in regards to a marriage. And so this is what this word means, the, the just shall live by faithfulness or faith. And so it kind of it expands it and helps us to understand. So the word faithfulness means to be, or this word faith means to be steadfast and committed. I want to tell you what God's really looking for. He's looking for steadfast, loyal, committed, uh, fidelity in our relationship with him. And we're not kind of wandering off and having a bit of a fling with the world here and a fling with the world there. Because it, 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 in the end, it doesn't so much hurt God as hurt us. He wants faithfulness to the cause. Because he wants to see us blessed. And when we position ourselves in righteousness and truth with him, he can't help but bless. That's called faithfulness. As I said, NIV interpretation of this verse says, The righteous person will live by his faithfulness. So I'm glad that Martin Luther stood up. And nailed his doctrine to the door of some church, Catholic church. Is that right? Done something like that and said, this is what I believe. And he brought a reformation. And praise God, the reformation was that we can have belief in Jesus. And that we can have, live by faithfulness. Not by works, just by faithfulness. It's a whole different ballgame. There's a, there's a, let me finish as the musicians come this morning.
A Persian legend goes like this. Persia is, I think, modern-day Iran. But there's a, there's a legend that goes like this. A king needed a faithful servant. And he had to choose. He had two faithful. He thought was, he had two servants. He had to choose between two. He had to employ one. He couldn't employ both. But for just a little season, for a certain task, he employed them both. And he gave them a wage for the task. He paid them before they did the, the um, job. He was, he was wanting to check out which one was going to be committed to the task. And the task was very simple. It was to fill a basket from a nearby well. Can you appreciate? It's taking, drawing water from the well and putting it in the basket. So they set off and they did this, started this task. And the first servant, for an hour, he drew water from the well and put it in the basket. And he said, this is ridiculous. Every time I put water in the basket, it flows out the sides. It's just a basket. And after an hour, he says, blow it. I'm out of here. I not going to be, this is a useless task. The second servant, he said, well, I don't understand it myself, but the master asked us for so many, for the day to do this. So I'm going to be committed to the task because he's already paid me a wage for it. So I'm going to draw a well, draw water. And the second servant did. He drew water again. And the water flowed out of the basket. He drew water again. And until he emptied the well, there was no possibility of him getting any more water. And he thought, well, I can't continue with what my master asked. I've done what he asked. I've drawn all the water out of the well. And as he looked at the bottom of the well, there in the bottom of a well was this gold, sorry, was this diamond ring of great value. And when the, master, when the king came back, he, of course, employed the servant who'd emptied the well. And he gave him the position, but he also gave him the ring in the bottom of the well. The king already knew what was going to happen. He was just looking for faithfulness and commitment. And I want to just say to you in life, when, God, when God's blessings don't meet your expectations, remember to be faithful because the well may not be dry yet. And there may be something precious if you continue at the end of your discourse in life. And you know what will be the greatest thing for me and you to hear? Isn't it interesting at the end of life, as we enter that heavenly realm at heaven, God will say, well done, good and faith or faithful. Well done, good and faithful what? Servant. Of all the things he could say, well, I'm glad you attained so much material things in the world. You know, that was brilliant. No, he won't say that. He won't say, well, you got that job. You rose up the ladder and climbed and you got that. Well done, good and faithful. Now, there's nothing wrong with those things. But in the end, he'll say, good and faithful, faithful servant. A person who commits himself to serve others who's faithful in that service and when I think about what would be make up the contribution to be called a good and faithful servant I I start to think not about things or or things I've gained or the material possessions of life but I start to think about really important things like relationships with my wife and wouldn't it be great if we all had 50 years of marriage at least and could say we've just been committed and faithful we all kind of Sing the praises of people. I, I saw a couple the other day, 70 years of marriage. Whoa. 
Some of you say, well, you don't know what my marriage is like. Well, maybe you don't know what your God's like. (laughs) So I think what would make up a faithful servant would be faithful maybe to do life well, to, to love those who God's given me in my life, to just be faithful what was placed in front of me by God, just to continue to be faithful, to love Him and to serve Him, diligent in that. And even if I don't get what I want, to trust Him enough that He's got it sorted. To trust Him enough that, you know, and that doesn't mean our, inner, our, our kind of feelings of, well, what's the use? No, no, no. To continue diligently to ask and to pray and to be faithful, but to trust Him that He will continue if we would just be faithful to Him. So, it just says in Scripture, it's in Him we live and move and have our being. It's not in what we've got, it's not in who we've got, it's in Him. And I pray that you would consider and weigh that up as we move into 2019. What's really important? I pray that we won't go through life just saying, well, everybody and everything owes me. No, why not have the attitude of what I owe others? What I owe God. Can we stand this morning? We're going to close. I want to just pray for you this morning as we're standing here. Father, I thank you. If we could just for a moment give ourselves just a moment of quiet, just as we contemplate and what I pray. My prayer isn't more powerful than yours, but it's certainly just a desire to see the best. And prayer, God hears the cry of his people. And Father, I pray for every person today, for all of us in this room. That Father, we would be people that realizes that you seek us um, just to be faithful people. And that out of faith can grow faith to see the impossible. That you would help us to do the possible. And then you would do sometimes in response to the impossible. But we just got to trust you with that. Because sometimes it doesn't happen how we want it. But we can still trust you as we surrender our heart and our life to you. Father, help us to be faithful to live in that relationship with you and to feed, to prepare the meal so that we can just communicate and, and feast together and worship and love each other and so I can be better equipped to do life. Help me, Lord, just to love other people, to tend the flock, Lord, and be faithful in that, just reflecting Christ to others. Help me, Lord, in just preparing the field, plowing the field. Sometimes it's hard work, Lord, and it doesn't seem like there's any fruit for it, but I know that if I could plow the field plant the seed, there is a future day of reckoning when fruitfulness will come. And we're going to trust you with that. Help us to do that, Father. Help us to live our lives for you and not apart from you. Lord, we just ask, we all have a tendencies to get diverted and distracted, but help us to remain on game and keep focused, not distracted by this world, but focus on your purposes. Father, in our workplace, in our relationships, in our homes, in our study areas, Uh, Father, in our sporting field, help us to keep focused on why we're really there, to be faithful to serve you in that, to prefer our brother. Um, Lord, we ask these things and commit ourselves to you. Holy Spirit, seal your word in our hearts today and your truth, I ask in Jesus' name. And if you agree, come on. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's just worship for one moment this morning as we, before we go.